0: And he hid that for a year from me because he thought that I was so devout that I'd want to divorce him Mm -hmm. if if I knew. And then finally he came to me and he said, I'm really struggling. And it was right after our son was baptized.
1: So after he shared that with you, after your husband shared that he was struggling, how did that go? It was amazingly
0: fast. He walked in and he said, this is what I found and he found some pretty damning racist stuff about the church and then he showed me some stuff about joseph smith and i said so it's not true and he said i don't think so and i said so we're done then i am a person who truly believes live not by lies
1: Our guest today is Carib Marcel. She has a YouTube channel, Be Not Afraid with Carib Marcel. And she has, I I think you're the only person, maybe I've talked to like a couple of people that after they've left, they've become Christians. And so I thought it'd be really interesting to hear about that and then also um, learn more about Christianity. So with that, um, is there anything else you want to add?
0: No, that sounds great.
1: Okay. So yeah, what's your background with Latter-day Saint beliefs? Like how how did you bring, how did you become a Latter-day Saint? And then how did you move away from it?
0: Sure. Well, it was it was a little bit unlikely because when I was in school, I went to a Christian school when I was growing up and we watched the movie, The God Makers. And we had a whole like semester talking about cults and um and I remember in the God makers when they were talking about like black people um being the descendant of the one third of the angels that came down with Lucifer, everyone in my class turned around and looked at me like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then fast forward like 10 years and I met my husband who was an inactive Mormon. And then I met his family and his family was like, we love you so much. Oh, and by the way, here's a book of Mormon for you to read. And then I went on a tour with a theater company. Um, and before I, I went and I was looking for a church to go to. And it was kind of crazy because the people right across the street from me in this apartment complex that all the actors were housed in um, were like the only Mormons in the town of St. Paul. Minnesota, like in the the area that we were in. And so they like, I got off the phone with my then boyfriend, now husband's mom. And within 10 minutes, there was a knock on my door and food. And this family just totally loved me right into the church. I was pretty much, yeah. I read the book, The Idiot's Guide to Understanding Mormonism. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So it's one of those like four dummies, Mormon, Mormonism, four dummies or the idiots guides. So it was one of those. And, and I read it and it basically said that the God makers was a lie. And, um, and I come from an, an interesting background in that I didn't have any family. So I, um, aged out of the foster system. So when I meet this, guy with his intact family that is just like kind of perfect it made a lot of sense to look at the religion I was agnostic at this time and so it made a lot of sense to look at it and see okay is this something that I can tolerate and then I started going and I loved the people and I loved come follow me and um a lot of the questions that I had at the time were answered. So that's basically how, and I, I was um, a member of the church, a very active member of the church for 13 years.
1: Wow. Um, So your husband was inactive, but um, his family was not, his family was super active though.
0: His family was super active and he was, he was inactive, but I remember when I decided to get baptized, he sang me the song baby you're gonna be the one to save me (laughs) (laughs) And, and he started going back to church and so um he went to church i wouldn't ever say that he ever became like we did we did finally after like four years get um temple recommends but before then like he was i would say lukewarm um what was what was holding him back I think maybe in his core you know everybody has their own journey and so i know in the beginning um he was a rebellious kid who didn't want to want it hammered into hammered into him especially by his mom um so he ran away to seattle so that he wouldn't have to go on a mission so um and then he met me and so he used to say he was more successful than
1: many missionaries
0: on getting a convert. So so that's, um, yeah. How did did you meet? (laughs) I was going on tour for a theater company, and I needed to move out of my apartment and into like a boarding house. And he was one of my housemates, (laughs) and he was five years younger than me. So so I thought nothing's going to come of this, and I was wrong. Well, so, and he kid. was just a good guy, like a really solid, good guy. I had a thing in my head that I would no. never ever date somebody who wasn't a boy scout. It was just a thing that I had. <laughs> and he was just very much that. And in Seattle, I don't know, to me, it seems like a lot of this, the men in Seattle um are like perpetually Peter Pan. No. <laughs> and so to find somebody who was five years younger than me, but was as mature, if not more mature than me, was interesting.
1: You're very attracted to that. Okay. That's good. Cool. <laughs> um, so, okay. So you met him and dated for a while. You mm-hmm. ended up getting baptized before you got married or? Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Just like right before, because, well... I wasn't a virgin. So, so we, um, I went on tour and then when we went on tour um, or I went, I went to to a theater company to go on tour and then it ended up not being a good fit. And besides that, we were like starstruck lovers from he was in Washington and I was in Minnesota. And so I converted. And then I think we had a three month engagement so and during that time i completely like you know born again so not even kissing i was so wholesome for three months (laughs) (laughs) all
1: right that's that's sorry i don't don't, we've talked before and this is new to me so this is fun okay so um okay so then you are you were doing the mormon thing for 13 years and then what happened
0: well um so I taught I taught gospel doctrines almost just right after I was baptized. So they pulled me in to teach gospel doctrines. And then they called me into well then we moved back to Washington. So we were in Utah and then we moved back to Washington and it was pretty quickly that um that I have the kind of personality that works well with the young women. So I was in young women's, and I taught the Sunday school for the youth, 14-year-olds. and um, But I was in young women's for a really long time. And I started realizing that the things that made me choose the church, things like, for me, I actually was attracted to this straight and narrow path. I saw so much cafeteria religion, which is pick and choose the things that you, you know, I like this. I don't like this. Um, And it didn't make sense to me because before I was agnostic, I was, I was raised in foster homes and was in church every Sunday. And like, I was the kid. Well, not that kid. I was a weird kid and had like, I love JC on my shoes. (laughs) And I wasn't talking about the backstreet boys. (laughs) (laughs) So I was I was super, super religious at one point in my life. And so to find something that said they were the one and only church, that they were the true church, that all these other ones had pieces, but they had the full vision, I was all in for that. And then all of a sudden, I started seeing things and hearing things that didn't feel like the viewpoints of the people in leadership um fit with the fit with the doctrine that i had seen before can you give so, me an example like yeah so 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 2008 um i think it was 2008 um with california and the whole oh, the prop 8 yeah and so many people just mass exodus with yeah with prop 8 so many people just mass exodus left the church. Now I completely understand. And I think actually the way that you and I crossed paths is because I interviewed, um, a drag queen. Oh, right. So Ryan yeah, Woods. yes, I interviewed Ryan Woods and, um, and I remember you being shocked that I was Christian because of the way that that interview went. But the thing for me was that if the church says something, you can't bend it. Because you want it to say something different. And so people would come up to me and they'd say, how can you not support Prop 8? You are, you know, there was a time when you weren't part of the church either. Or you couldn't have been part of the church either because right. I'm, I, I'm biracial. Right. And my response to that is that if I believe something is true, um, I will follow it. I, I, I will i am stubborn and i will just i will put a hard line and i will follow it even if it's painful to me mm-hmm. so there were painful parts about the the history of the lds church but i was willing to accept them because i believed at that time that the church was true mm-hmm. and so it was okay if i wasn't going to achieve ultimate righteousness until i got to heaven and i could have lighter skin You know, and was that a little bit of self-hatred? I don't know. All I know is that I believe. So
1: that's a belief that you had that you, like, the perfect way to be was light-skinned.
0: I, well, so I didn't look at people and think jealousy like that, right? But people would say things like, you are such a good person. I know that when you get to heaven, you are going to be, you know, you're going to be blessed with more righteousness. I don't know why God cursed you the way that he did. And not a lot of people, very few people, a handful of people, but I, but I still had to, but I still lived with that. Right. Or they would talk about being part of the tribe of Judah. And then somebody would just randomly say, except for Carrie, she's part of the tribe of Manasseh, but that's okay. She's adopted into the family. Hmm. And that kind of stuff, you know, you live with that and you're like, uh, you know? And so for me as a Mormon, I felt, I can't say no to anything. I have to work, 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 work. And I don't know if I even felt that on a conscious level, but having left, I know that that's how I felt. I felt like I must be perfect. Hmm. I must be the sunshine in the room. I must be constant joy, not the same kind of plastic perfect that I saw a lot of, you know, cause I'm sorry, but it looks like the Stepford Wives to me when I like, everybody has the same haircut, the same dyed color of hair and like the same outfits and everything's always so perfect and instagrammy and i would tell the girls you know when christ says be perfect he doesn't mean wear the right cardigan and i wear cardigans all the time so it's nothing against cardigan <laughs> but 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 it was just an interesting thing to see what what the priorities became and i saw the priorities becoming very worldly so for me, that was, that was something. And then ultimately my husband stumbled across the, um, the letters. I can't remember. Oh, the CES letter. The CES letter. Yeah. And so, and he hid that for a year from me because he thought that I was so devout that I'd want to divorce him mm-hmm. if I, if I knew, but I could see, I mean, it would be like, we'd get in the car to go to church and I'd say, Oh, look at the beautiful blue sky. And he'd be like, it's dark purple. And he, Like any Sundays were just the worst day for him. Oh. And, um, and then finally he came to me and he said, I'm really struggling. And it was right after our son was baptized mm-hmm. was another thing I really, really struggled with in the church. We could only have one child. And there would be people who would stand up with their six or eight or however many kids and they would just say things like, um, isn't it so wonderful that God chooses his elect to have so many kids? And I would sit in the back and just like tears streaming down my face Hmm. and just be like, I am trying so hard. And somebody had said, well, you know, if you just if you were just a better wife, then maybe God would let you have more children, Aww. and so those kind of things were painful. Um, but that was the culture, not not where my faith came from. And I will tell you, as as a member of the church, and with "Come, follow me," and all of the kind of the regulations, the things that that if you are if you follow when you're supposed to do, you will have a strong understanding. Um, of biblical principles, perhaps different than I have now, but you will have a strong understanding because you're supposed to read your scriptures daily and you're supposed to pray every morning and every night as a husband and wife. And, um, and as far as religion goes, because what I learned working in a, in a charter school is that when we talk to the little kids and we talk to them about religion? It's not a religious school, but we're just like explaining the three major religions. When we ask the little kids what is religion, their definition is religion teaches us how to be good. So I don't know if you just okay. It had a sound that didn't, that gave out for a second, but um. So religion teaches us how to be good. Oops. I'll
1: just keep it that way. If you're hearing the sound, then I'll just keep it muted so you can't hear that sound.
0: Oh, okay Okay, <laughs> okay that's fine. Okay. So we're learning this, you know, and and I'm sitting there going, I think I think religion means or I, I'm not sure that anyone has a right to tell other people how to be good. I guess that comes down to my um classic liberal, kind of viewpoint and when I say classic liberal today apparently that means right-wing conservative but (laughs) (laughs) but but my my general viewpoint is no one has a right to tell anyone else as long as they're not harming someone else what what they do and so for that reason I I appreciate the LDS church
1: so you were saying that the purpose of religion is how to be good but you can't force other people to have your religion I guess
0: yeah well so in terms of religion, I really respect the LDS faith. It, 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 they do so many things right. Okay, they visiting, teaching, make sure that nobody is going lonely month by month. I think that's wonderful. I think that having our kids active is really important for their mental health. Um, changing the leadership around often. I think is also really useful in terms of making sure that everybody is a contributing member of their society. So these basic things about, um, I think those are wonderful things, probably the best as far as a religion goes.
1: Yeah. I've also thought of like how they do their congregations by geographic location. I know some people hate that because there's not any choice in it, but it kind of forces you to get to know your neighbors, which is a, a positive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see I can see both sides of that. I'm I know that like different different um, ethnic cultures like to go to church together sometimes. Oh right. Um, I don't fall into that category. <laughs> like, I I just I'm not. I'm about as colorblind as you can get, <laughs> and so um I, I that's not something. But I know that it matters for some people. But it still it fosters community like nothing else. It also really encourages healthy and intact families, which I respect. So, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: So after he shared that with you, after your husband shared
0: that he was struggling, how did that go? It was amazingly fast. He walked in and he said, this is what I found. And he found some pretty some pretty damning racist stuff about the church. And that's what he showed me.
1: Hmm.
0: And I was like, and then he showed me, he showed me stuff about Joseph Smith's history. And, um, and literally I was, I was preparing my lesson for the next week. And um, I think it was a Wednesday night. And I, no, it wasn't a Wednesday. Cause we had church on Wednesday midweek. So it must've been a Thursday night and I was preparing for Sunday and he showed me that, and then he showed me some stuff about Joseph Smith, and I said, "So it's not true." And he said, "I don't think so." And I said, "So we're done then." And he just looked at me and he's like, "Don't you want to, don't you want to talk to anybody or or, or work this out or, or or talk about it?" And I said, "No." I said, "If, if something's not true, now here's what happened. I I, I need to rewind a little bit." a few weeks beforehand a first counselor in our church had gotten up and was speaking and he had said i've come to the place that even if this church is not true this is where i would want to raise my family because it's the best place to raise your family mm-hmm. and i remember sitting there going no 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 if if it wasn't true then you'd be living a lie if you if you did something for something that wasn't true and you raise your children to believe in this thing that wasn't true. And I just remember going that it really stuck, stuck with me. And I was just like, why would he say that? <laughs> like it, it didn't make any sense. And I come to find out he had family members who were struggling and, but, um, but I just remember sitting there and, and thinking about that and just going, I, I can't do that. I am a person who truly believes live not by lies. And so for me, and also because I did feel like there was this progressive bent starting um, where for me, it was interesting maybe because I, I was called a golden convert. Right. So pretty much they taught me and I was ready to be baptized in, you know, like I think four weeks or something was really, really fast. Like a month. Um, and then I was extremely like out there telling other people and bringing other people to church and, and all of this stuff. So I think that I lost my train of thought. <laughs>
1: so, so you were saying, you were saying how like, you were like the, you were like the golden member. And yeah. so how did yeah. that affect leaving?
0: Yeah. So, so people were really shocked by that because it was so fast and so like the next week the young women had a thing and said well anybody who would leave the church was never a convert in the first place mm-hmm. um and and it was to the point where I would see people in the grocery store and they would turn their back and walk down another aisle well wow. so what happened first was they all thought that I was in a it, we, we couldn't possibly lose Carrie, which is what they called me and so we couldn't possibly lose Carrie. so they would show up at my house with treats, and they all wanted to talk. And I was just like, I—I I was seriously piling up treats on top of my fridge. There were so many, and I was just like, uh, I'm not—I'm I'm not coming back. And no, I wasn't brainwashed into it. I'm like, this—this this is what I've seen. This is, you know. And but at the same time, how do I explain that? It's—I would—I would be very firm that I wasn't coming back. But I also didn't want to destroy other people. Yeah. Oh, I remember what it was. It was about the teenagers. So the teenagers were told, basically, you know, Carrie wasn't ever a real convert anyways. Don't talk to her whatever else. And the problem was is that I had, like, six kids who I was super close to. Whenever they would be like, Mrs. B, can we ride in your car? You know, and boys and girls. And so... um, to have that conversation with them and to just tell them. And when what I said was um, Mr. B and I talked and we've come to conclusions that this isn't right for us. I'm never going to explain to you why we're leaving. I'm just, I just want you to know that you are so loved and you mean so much to us and our door is always open for you as a friend. But I don't want anybody to have their shelf break.
1: You know? Yeah, isn't that interesting? I feel like Nearly everyone I've ever talked to is like they're so careful about, and maybe it's different phases. I think sometimes you get to the phase where you're like, I need to let people know, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for the most part, that fear that a lot of members might have that you're going to spew something that's going to ruin their testimony is just farther from the truth than could possibly be like I, most people are just like I don't want to say anything I mean this is where I'm at but it's been really hard and I just don't want to say anything to make you go through this too
0: well there's that there's that um and so many people brought it over the the talk the where then will they go talk where will you go that's yes. the, the podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so they were just like you know people's lives turned out wrecked and I've seen that yeah I've seen people lose their ever love and mind and I have been invited to like island orgies out in the middle of the 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 Pacific and you're just like yuck (laughs) or or you get invited to family events where people are smoking pot and I'm just like if I wanted that in my life I never would have chose to be part of this church in the first place yeah so it wasn't a thing that I needed or or wanted and honestly I pitied a lot of people because there are people now who will say I've ne- I've never felt so good with my feet absolutely secured on no- in nothing and hmm. nothing. And I just feel bad for I feel bad for people who embrace postmodernism. Well that's interesting
1: because I don't feel like I've embraced that. It's like almost I've come to the realization that um I don't know quite how to explain it. Because I I kind of have a lack of belief in in any kind of religious structure I feel like I'm open-minded though like if I heard something I I would like to participate but we can maybe can get into this a little bit later Mm -hmm. just like what is the requirements to be Christian because my my issue is the certainty that is within structures that bind people together there's a lot of certainty around that central thing that holds people together that I just can't I can't I can't let myself participate in it because I don't find, I don't feel that certainty, you know? And so, um, so it is kind of a belief founded on nothing ish, (laughs) except for, I feel like the things that uh, different religions have in common, I think there's wisdom there and I want, I want that, but I don't know what that is. It's really hard to articulate what that is, but. But anyways, yeah, we can we can get into that a little bit later. But I, I hear people saying similar things and I kind of understand where they're coming from. But,
0: um, but yeah, anyways, go ahead. When we look at the way that, that teaching is kind of transforming, okay? We're taught now that in order for a person to learn, they need to be looking at a mirror and seeing a reflection of themselves constantly as opposed to looking out looking through windows and seeing other things. So for me, I've always appreciated being able to look at and go, Oh, that's the way they do this. And that's Mm -hmm. the way they do that. Now, for me, I don't take on the other things. Like there's a part of me that would love to join the ladies doing yoga. But for me, that's not something that I, it doesn't align with my views. So even though I would love to have that social time and and the stretching, I just am like, something doesn't feel right for me in that that specific area. But there's still an appreciation for it. I have an appreciation for anything that, as I said before, teaches people how to be good. It's just when that being good turns into authoritarian that I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like I, I know way too much about history. Um, from speaking, that's what I do is I speak to people who've, um, I speak to dissidents, and oftentimes that means that I'm interviewing people who've escaped communism. Mm -hmm. And when they start talking, and they they draw parallels to what what's happening today versus what they saw and what they fled. I don't want anything to do with anything that's reflecting on that. So, Hmm. yeah. So, um, so you said it was fast
1: when you kind of, um, separated from the church. So, um, then what, like, so you're Christian now, how did you get there?
0: Well, so first I had this idea in my head of what it was to be a Christian. Right. So I had a very, very, I needed to find the church that was as close to the Mormon church as possible without being LDS. (laughs) That was my, that was my goal. I needed to find a place where, you know, all of like, I literally jumped on Facebook and was like, I'm looking for a church that has this, 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 and this. And somebody was like, you should try the Mormon church. (laughs) And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. And and people were surprised and they were sending me messages who knew what had happened. And they were like, thank you for, for being gracious and not putting us down when you're, you know, responding to these things. And I'm like, why would I put you down? You guys were my friends. I, I, some of you still are, I value these relationships and I value my time. I would not have learned to be a mother considering the fact that I grew up in foster care. I wouldn't have learned to be a good and nurturing mother. At least I don't believe that was the path I needed in order to be, you know, a mother to value motherhood to the extent that I do. Mm-hmm. Um so we left that church and my husband was really grateful that because the thing is is that I was Christian before. And then another thing that's important is that every class that I taught, I like it's hard to explain the kind of convert I was and how I could have possibly been golden because it didn't necessarily Buy into or read a whole lot in the Book of Mormon because you always had an option, right? You could, you could teach from um, right. the Old Testament, the New Testament, or any of the talks, um, or the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. I only taught from the talks or the Bible. So oh, that's interesting. So, so it didn't for, really
1: have a a Com- Book of Mormon conversion. It was more of a. Um... I
0: believe Joseph Smith went out and prayed and uh, and said none of this makes sense. Cause I, I was there. I was definitely having lived in 18 foster homes. Mm-hmm. I definitely had a, who's got this right.
1: Mm-hmm. I've so yeah, you resonated with that story. Jehovah's
0: witness, all of these things. Right. And so I'm like, I, uh, not, I wasn't, I wasn't actually them, but I was, I lived in homes that were those. Right. Right. And that's so, actually, that's probably a huge learning experience that you
1: participated in there. <laughs> yeah, <you> Stayed <laughs> with was, all those different families
0: yeah and that's why that's why i just kind of laugh when people say you know call me narrow-minded or whatever else i'm like you have no idea (laughs) (laughs) like like i can get along with anyone and it's it's fine because i can respect anyone you know and and that's really ultimately what that comes down to is just having a respect and when you have the respect you can keep the relationships yeah so um there are times when you when you bite your tongue because you don't want to hurt people. right? I had one of my very good friends say, I love you, but if you ever say anything disparagingly against the church, that would be the end of our relationship. Hmm. And I, okay, you know. um, So there's certain things that I just don't go into. But what I would say about um, the other uh, is that what we, we would go to a church and I would hear so much about... Emotive feelings 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 and then especially when like George Floyd died then all of a sudden like BLM and Marxism came into the churches and I was like oh that's not true that's not gospel that that's that's not the Bible and I'm only interested in things that are straight from the Bible at this point Hmm. so I but I still had a kind of I know how to do this right I'm kind of perfect at this kind of (laughs) attitude right Um, And we went to so many churches in Washington, trying to find one that wasn't bringing in what I would now call liberation theology. Um, And it was really, really hard because I didn't, especially having um, an 11 at that time, 11 year old, trying to sort it out and figure out and being told his entire life up to that point that this church is true. And then taking that from him. And I didn't want to mess up. Mm-hmm. So for a really long time, not I mean, not a, it really did kind of feel like a whirlwind. Um, we navigated churches and then we found one that I really liked. And then George Floyd died and in came the flags. And I was like, that's the, ed- that's, that's it for us. I'm just not doing that. Um, What, what
1: gave you that, like, what gave you that foundation of, like, distaste for, like, when that political stuff was coming into the church and you you were recognizing that? What were you, like, what influenced that, I guess? Do you know?
0: Yeah. Um, the black privilege, white privilege, I mean, for me, it was, it was as simple as, um, I think it's in Galatians. You'd have to find it, <laughs> but the the verse that says, um, "There's either there's neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, but we are all alike in Christ Jesus." Period. Mm-hmm. So, when people are constantly being said, "White privilege, white privilege, white privilege," I'm sitting there going, "No." And also, redemption. So if you have accepted Christ as your savior and your sins are as passed from the East as to the West. Um, then why are you taking on these other sins? Mm-hmm. And I also saw the grift. I saw the grift a mile away. Hmm. So um, I also didn't like that. Our schools were telling us things like uh, if you question anything that you're being told that's showing your white privilege. Cause I'm sitting there going, I'm not white and totally questioning. <laughs> I'm like, there are issues here. And I want to see the whole video before we have riots and looting. And I'm watching the kids in my son's class that they're go- being told by the teacher, you know, this terrible thing happened. And this was a wonderful man. He was so good in his community. And then the kids are sitting there going, but I don't understand why they're rioting and looting. And the teacher said, oh, you can't ask that. And I'm like, you can't tell. You cannot tell sixth graders or fifth graders that they cannot ask questions. Mm If there's something wrong and something, in my opinion, Mm cult-like. And then I watched the Patrice colors and all of those people talk. And I was just like, wow, you guys are filled with hate. Mm -hmm. So why would we bring hate and guilt and division into the churches. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just something I didn't buy into. I didn't buy into it when I was Mormon. When people Mm -hmm. would tell me things like, you know, oh, you're from the tribe of Manasseh. Um, I didn't buy into it then. And I wasn't going to buy into it um, in any church. So... Oh, sorry, I'm going to yeah. rewind
1: a little bit yeah. because there was a question that I forgot to say. So like as far as not really the Book of Mormon, Book of Mormon not being like a keystone of your testimony, mm-hmm. do you think that was – did you did you not buy into the gold plate story or like what was it that made it? Because I feel like the Book of Mormon was like central almost every Sunday, every conference talk. So I'm just wondering how you never adopted that being around that for so long because what was it that was off about the book? I think I
0: never like really, I don't know. You never. So I was able to accept it because when I first came in, when the missionaries came, I was like, Oh sure. They can come. And I'm just going to ask them a bunch of questions. They're not going to have the answers and you know, maybe they'll leave too. (laughs) It was kind of my first thought when they, when they came. Um, And they talked about the staffs you know the the two staffs that had that had broken apart and one was the book of mormon and one was the bible right yeah and so to me they were on equal playing fields but i never bought into the idea that the book of mormon was correct when the bible was not i just mm-hmm. never did oh so for me it was a matter of i love how much you love jesus and that's really all that i care about here so so many of the lessons are really just practical life lessons especially right. the lessons for for youth right so you don't have to go into like the stripling warriors you mm-hmm. know i the things i remember strongly are like hold to the rod but now yeah. i live in utah and i'm like Whoa! Great and spacious building, people. Great <laughs> and spacious building. That's what I see. I don't, right. I don't see a whole lot of holding on to the rod. I don't see any principles. I think that Joseph Smith would probably haunt a lot of people right now. Right. <laughs> so, so it, yeah, it was, um, and it was fine. And I think part of it was fine because I think there's a lot of doubters within the church. Um, I know that when we left, the bishop came. And he said, "You don't have to believe it all to be a member." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yes, you do." <laughs> and, and and he said, "Well, if you if you don't believe this, let me tell you, um, you know, you don't want to know everything I know about Jesus." And I was just like, "Okay, you can go now," because mm-hmm. my foundation came from a belief in Christ,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that did not conflict. You know, and then one day it did one day I was in young women's, and another person had been called we'd we'd been we'd had our calling split in half and um what she was saying conflicted with what I knew to be true, what I believed to be true in the Bible and I was told that whatever the Bible and the Book of Mormon differ, we defer to the Book of Mormon hmm and so i think that's for me where maybe subconsciously i started getting realizing something's weird so
1: something that never quite never quite uh lined up there that's interesting you know and
0: again i i converted so quickly you know that golden conversion maybe i should have spent more time reading (laughs) i've I've
1: often had the thought that like i think converts um i think anybody that's like uh they grew up LDS, they probably assume converts like when they are converted, they're all you're all well, first of all, not any two Latter day Saints believe the same thing anyway, right? There's gonna be a little bit of variance anyway. And like no two people believe the same thing. And then and so then on top of that, like a convert coming in, I think I always had the assumption that they by that, that act of being baptized that they were all in. But I just don't think converts do believe the same way. I've realized now there's no way they could. Like, And maybe over a long period of time, maybe they start to align their beliefs with the the whole body of beliefs. But I just, I don't see how that's possible for them. I, to would, like...
0: I mean, my mother-in-law is a convert. Uh-huh. And she is devout. Mm-hmm. Very, very devout. So, yeah. Loyal is
1: different, though, than like believe people there's contradictions so you can't believe everything because there's contradictions <laughs> and I, i'm not saying that in like a mean way i think yeah. there's contradictions within any belief system like any worldview yeah. but um so so you're gonna have you're gonna resonate with one like here, here's a contradiction that i don't i don't it's not nefarious like in the bible you're gonna have teachings that say you know uh i'm trying to think uh uh, this is something from another podcast, like consider the lilies, right? Like, okay. don't worry about things that are happening tomorrow. Like just, just be, sure, yeah, just enjoy yeah, yeah. what's happening now. But, but obviously there's other scriptures that talk about worrying about tomorrow and preparing for the future. So it's, it's like a balancing act. So of course you're going to have that contradicting uh, teachings because that's what wisdom is. And your job is to find the way or the balance, right? So you want to go
0: into what I believe now?
1: Yeah, so yeah. Okay. So okay. your your let's go back cuz kind okay. of where your timeline left off I and mean, we kind of went off on a tangent there. Sorry. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> so you you've bouncing around churches, um George Floyd or yeah, George Floyd Ish. stuff comes yeah. up and you realize like this they're more political than religious here. So then you're then what?
0: So then we move to Utah or we more back to Utah? And, um, the first church I went to was, uh, believed in Calvinism and I, re- I, I enjoyed the church. I enjoyed churches that make me think. Um, but when I had questions about Calvinism, basically that we're all predestined and that there's nothing, nothing that can be done. If you are not predestined, you're not going to heaven. Um, couldn't wrap my head around that because I believe, you know, that, God is not willing that any should perish. Hmm. So I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I dared to ask the question. And when I asked the question, they laughed at me in church. And it was not like a, I mean, I have a pretty good sense of humor, but this was like, wow. And and, and for me, it was like, okay, I can handle this, but I'm thinking I could never invite another person to this church. Hmm. I could not because... I would not want to be the person who invites someone who's desperate and they get laughed at. So. Um, well, that was your first church
1: here in Utah. And then, yes. and then. So you um, just did a lot of church
0: shopping. So much. <laughs> <laughs> we went to three here and then we went to another one and it was just very like, video games in the youth group room and really easy like pop christianity progressive just um, no just it wasn't hmm. it wasn't right for, and then um and then we then i started working at the charter school and a woman at the charter school was like so you're not lds and i said no not anymore and she said and you're looking for a church she said try mine and Say so that sorry, say that again. Where did you meet this? Oh, at at the at the school that I worked for. So um, so she said, try mine. And um honestly, she was like super prissy. And I was kind of like, I don't know, I don't know about this. And um and uh I went and the first thing I said when I went in there, I was like, look. There are so few churches here that are not LDS and um, we are a biracial family and I'm not interested in being anyone's token. I'm not interested in woke. That's what I call it, you know, so not interested in in that ideology. I just, I said, so, so can I just save your time? What are your beliefs on this? And he said, there's neither, uh, greek nor Jew, nor slave nor free but we are all alike in christ jesus and i felt like wow wow i and the youth group had one person other than my son in it and i was like oh this is awful i don't want to do this to him and um all of a sudden like within like three months they were like we're bringing in a youth pastor And now we have a huge thriving youth group, but that's not the big thing. The big thing that happened for me is I was sitting there and I have had. So even though like I was kind of perfect on the outside, not like visually perfect, but like, you know, could check all the boxes for my spirituality. When I was five, I was I was raped for three days That left in me, um, kind of like a sexual perversion. So, um, I like really craved erotica, um, and pornography and I would just be like hating myself that I could not get rid of this thorn in my flesh. No matter what I did, I couldn't get rid of this thorn in my flesh. And I realized I could never, ever, ever be good enough for God. Because of something that happened to me when I was five years old. And sometimes I would justify it and say, if I wasn't supposed to have this urge, then, you know, then why'd you let that happen to me when I was five? So I'm sitting there in church and one day I just start crying and I talk to the pastor's wife and I just said, all these people, because of of my work as a parental advocate, you know, and because I'm a person of color who speaks out on the conservative issue, the conservative view of things, all of these people think I'm their hero, and I have this thorn, and I was like, if Jesus comes today, I'm not going. I can't be good enough, and. She like, she prayed with me and whatever else. Then one day I had enough courage and I told my pastor, I didn't tell him what my problem was. I just said, I have a problem. And he said, that's not the way God works. He said, Jesus came to wreck religion. There is nothing that you can do. You cannot be good enough. He came to wreck religion. Who killed Jesus? The religious people. The religious people who wanted to follow all the rules and be as perfect as possible, they're the ones who killed Jesus, right? So, he's like Jesus came to have relationship. Period. It's about having a relationship. And when you have a relationship, you don't think, ooh, what is everybody else going to think if I do X? You just have this relationship where, like, the Holy Spirit is with you and really does like guide you in a, in a way that it's i mean you know i used to, people used to do this thing and i know i'm jumping around but i i tease my son when he goes to dances with the with the mormon kids and like don't get engaged you know <laughs> because some of these kids would be like Oh, I went and prayed at the temple and I know she's the one, so now it's okay to sleep with her. And you're just like, hmm, that's not the, the way the Holy Spirit accompanies you. I've been in situations with what I do where, um, like, how in the world was I supposed to speak to debate somebody who was running for Congress? I'm just a mom, <laughs> I'm literally just a just a mom a sometimes substitute that's that's what i do and all of a sudden i am up i'm in an opportunity where somebody in the state school board calls me and says i want you to step in and be and speak for this event and that person was silenced that person when she was debating she ended up saying things that proved my points instead of her own and I believe that that was the spirit. The spirit was who gave me the strength every single day. It's the spirit who gives me the strength. I, I am quite hated by like my local school board and, and um, yeah. And something gives me the strength strength to stand up in front of them and to say what I need to say and to stand by truth all the time. That's what it is for me.
1: Eh, that's, um, yeah, I I can't say I've been, I've been, so I love that, <laughs> but, but at the same time, I have this like inability to have so much certainty that I know the truth, you know, like, what if I'm wrong? So if you stand up with so much courage, because this is what I think how, reality is, then it's like, well, what if I'm wrong about it? because I have been wrong, like, I've switched my views in like dramatic ways. (laughs) But at the same time, I understand that it is important that people act on the way that they do think the
0: world is. So it's not that.
1: I guess there's a difference
0: between what if I'm wrong? And I just don't believe God is. And so like, people will come to me and they will say, what do we do about this, you know, transgender kid thing? What do we do about? whatever episode and there'll be people who have callings like in the LDS church and they'll ask Mm -hmm. me and I'll say, I think before you lean on your own understanding, you should go home and pray about it, but not only pray about it, but actually look in your own scriptures and see what it says. Because if you believe that your God is infallible, if you believe that, then that's your truth. So, Whereas it's just there's a difference between there are some things that just simply are true. There's some things that are like, it's not raining outside my house right now. That's true, right? There are certain things that are simply true. And then there are things that you don't know about. And then you have to have the humility to say, I don't know about this. Mm -hmm. And so on those things, I usually say, you know, I can't speak to that issue. But there's certain things that I can speak about. I can speak about the fact that, um, you know, children don't need to have porn in books in order to be able to learn, even if they're children of color. Hmm. And yeah. they also don't need to have themselves represented. They don't have to be represented in a book to learn. Yeah. So that's that's the truth, you know? Um, yeah. Well, so going back
1: to like what when you um, converted to Christianity did you did you feel like you needed to accept whatever dogma was at this church that you liked? like do you feel like you can disagree with some of the core things or do you just are you are, are you when you converted did you feel like you were all in on what was being taught at church? because i think i think it would have been a lot easier to stay in the latter day saint latter day saint faith if they didn't focus so much on the propositional truths that they claimed to have and they were focusing more on like the how to act like how to be a good person type of truths mm-hmm. but they the, but they really focus a lot on it being literally this thing actually happened historically. And because of that, we can have confidence in knowing that we're in the one true church. Right. Anyway. And, and I
0: that would be, a, for me, that would be a social club, but in terms of dogma, there really just isn't a lot at my church. There's just not like he, he will say whenever he's like giving the invocation to, um, you know, to accept Christ, he will say, there's nothing that you can do or not do. It's already been done for you. Hmm. But when you become a Christian, you literally make Christ the Lord of your life. And that's that's all that's required of you. Hmm. That's it. And so there's not a whole lot of, you know, we don't dress a certain way at, at church. It's not all men have to have polished haircuts. People can have mohawks, whatever else. It's just, is Christ the Lord of your life? And oftentimes, like, I'll say, I need to do this. What do you think about this? And he'll say, well, have you prayed about it? Have you looked at your scriptures? You know, what does it tell you? Because it's about your relationship, not about following a bunch of rules. And I love that. Like, I'd never heard of that. And I'd never really thought about the idea that it truly was religious. And it always has been religious people i mean man was born to man was made to worship i believe that and if we're not worshipping god then maybe we're worshipping ourselves maybe we're worshipping our phones maybe we're worshipping an ideology and right now we're taking on a new ideology so
1: if yeah, i'm being honest what what i yeah. see happening is that its politics is becoming like i think the definition yeah. i've heard i've heard the definition that your God is the thing that's most important to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like there are, that's happening with politics. And um, like, are you worried that like you were shopping for your church based on your politics? Like, is that, is that like, do you worry that that's more important to
0: you than? No. Does that make sense? I don't fall down at the cult of Trump or DeSantis or anyone else, you know, I mean, quite frankly, I think we're basically screwed politically. Um, I think that. So it was more of
1: an avoidance of something that you felt was like anti-truth.
0: Yeah. Yes. So exactly. So, so um, I can't live by lies. Mm -hmm. I just can't do it. And so, um, and I believe that that's what's coming. Mm -hmm. I truly do believe that we are, um, I believe that communism is right around around the doorstep and i don't believe that because fox told me because i don't watch fox well i i believe it because i talk to people who've escaped communism
1: right well if i'm if i'm being perfectly honest like i have similar similar fears and but at the same time um i'm i'm around enough people that question me and it makes me wonder it's like is this just like I'm making politics my God or is it something that's like legitimate to be worried about? And, and I, and it's, it's not, it's not really, it's not really, hmm, I don't know how to word it. Like, I guess I just, I do have some hmm, skepticism of my own beliefs, I guess. And I feel like that's healthy, but I'm also going to say, you know what? I'm seeing this pattern or whatever. And it seems fishy to me. Like I'm, I'm very, very skeptical of some of the stuff that's being sold but i'm also skeptical of my own mostly right. because when i talk to my friends that like i have a friend and she calls herself woke as fuck <laughs> like
0: <laughs>
1: so, okay. so it's like she she knows what it is and and she she views it as as compa- she's super compassionate and mm-hmm. and obviously um is she, she super she, compassionate
0: to people who don't believe the way she does
1: well, she's still friends with me, unless maybe she listens to this podcast and maybe she won't be anymore. I don't know. I've, I've I've had this conversation with her. We just had lunch, and I and I mentioned that I had interviewed Bill Real. She's like, "Oh, I'm going to have to listen." I'm like, "Oh no, don't listen to my stuff. You might not like <laughs> me anymore." <laughs> so, I don't I don't know. She's she's really awesome, and I guess I, it I don't worry too much. Anyways. Well, I just I really don't worry about. <sighs> I, I see this as like a political game. It's really divisive, and I, yeah. I almost look at it from the outside. And I do have one side that I resonate more with, or my knee yeah. jerk reactions are like, "That's ridiculous," right? But yeah. at the same time, when I hear people that are holding those views,
0: I look at them, and I, I don't see them as bad people, right. or right. I don't so know. So here's how- the thing: I see. Let Let me two things. One, I was looking for comfort if the world is going freaking crazy and losing its ever loving mind and there's no place and people are following Robin D'Angelo, who literally said there, I have no answers for interracial families because she wants us so divided or even mixed kindy the same way, you know, colorism, breaking us down even down to color. If you're a dark black man and you like a lighter skinned woman, you're still a racist. I mean, everything constantly My place is to go into this nihilistic place of I want to kill myself, Hmm. you know, or I need comfort. I need comfort. And the most comfort I find is come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And so I'm like, that's what I want. And the comfort doesn't come when there's the pressure to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Then it's gone because then you have this whole new pressure or this pressure to say, oh you want me to do something? Yes, 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 absolutely. I will be there for everything like taking a calling that you really don't want. You know, because somebody says, well the spirit divine didn't told you that you should have it. Right. And it's like, guess what? The spirit never told me I should work in nursery when I'm infertile. It just never did. It didn't mm-hmm. happen. Um but so that's the first part. Is the, is the comfort. The The part about them not being evil, I don't think they are. I think that what we've, what we're seeing is a cultural revolution and most people don't even recognize it. Yeah. When I go and talk to the school boards, when I go and talk to, um, I just had a woman, I just had a state senator say publicly at her own church that I'm hired to go in and to try to get black history out of our schools. Okay, and she truly believes this because liberation theology's been around for a long time and what worked with the black culture what what worked with them when they um when they taught these people that you are a victim and outrage is your virtue. You are this is this is your birthright. This is how you should feel. They figured out that worked with black people. And now they've taught it to two decades at least two decades of students and then those teachers have gone to school i have teachers who send me who send me this is what i'm being trained in right now and they it doesn't resonate with them they feel like it's wrong and evil but that so, what they
1: are help me understand so um the learning about black history mm-hmm. What is it about, like, certainly we want to learn about slavery Mm -hmm. and about our not-so-pretty past. Mm -hmm. There's no problem with that. What Mm -hmm. is it, what is the extra stuff that causes you pause? Where is that line? The
0: the oppressor, oppressive narrative. The the putting guilt onto people who don't carry it, like our children. Right. When when I go to school and I... Like the second article of faith.
1: So <laughs> when I
0: when I when I see when I see children going into their classroom with one one arm in one part of the sweater and the other person has the other arm in the sweater and one is an overweight white girl and the other one is as skinny as a real Asian girl and they say we're twins taking that away from them I think is evil. Oh, I'm sorry, I totally missed that. What do you say that again? Okay. So 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 kids coming in from recess, okay? And they have so the chunkier girl, she's got a big um a big sweater, a big cardigan, right? She shares it. So she's white and chunky, and she shares it with an Asian girl who is skinny, Asian, and they're walking around thinking that they're twins. They don't see color until they're taught to. I see what you're saying. Okay this is what my issue is. Okay. I, I don't, I don't advocate for being colorblind because that's a bunch of BS. Okay. I, if I go to the store and I see somebody who looks, who is of any black blood, even this much melanin, I'm like, Hey, it's called the black nod. It's Mm -hmm. a real thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I don't pretend that that's not there, but like, here's an example. I taught about covert Michigan last week. To um, the the curriculum is K through eight, which makes no sense because that's a huge range. But, um, Covert, Michigan is a place that a hundred <laughs> years before the civil rights movement. So in the 1850s, it was settled by New Englanders and um, New England p- pioneers and freed and runaway slaves. They worked together. They intermarried. Black men were cops and judges. Do we hear those stories in our school? Have you ever heard of Covert Michigan? We only want to tell one story. Right. people hate Black people.
1: We definitely we,
0: we yeah, we definitely
1: want to reinforce what we're believing. And so if like, we're believing that there's systemic racism, we're going to try to find that evidence, right? And if we don't think it's there, then we're going to only focus on the other thing. And that's why I, I think I, it's I, terrible I that we're not talking to each other because there's probably a little bit of truth. I, I, it's hard for me to believe that you can get a whole group of people believing something if there isn't some truth to it. Um,
0: Social and emotional learning. Yeah, <laughs> That, I mean, really like teaching people that they cannot question a narrative is how you get people to believe this. How did they get people to believe that the Jewish people were demons with horns? Even the Mormons, there are people who believe Mormons have horns. Right. So, so we, we, I went to Florida
1: once uh, when I was like a, a a tween, and there were some girls from Florida, and they they did wonder if we had horns. Like they really thought we might.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, people will believe, especially if they're not taught to think critically. So, and that's the thing, like religion doesn't mean, well, I guess religion often means, religion often means don't think critically. Religion often means do what you're told. Religion means compliance. Relationship with Christ means something different. I think. Right. I I know that a lot of the
1: sentiment that I get from a lot of more the more progressive people that I know is they say something along the lines of like white people don't have to be afraid. This isn't a zero sum game. Um, they're, they're like, you don't, when you lift up minorities and the marginalized, it doesn't take away from what you have. So is it maybe not a problem with, the idea of helping, helping the marginalized and the people that are on the outskirts, like that's not actually the problem, but if they're implementing it in a way where people are feeling like they're less than just because they're a certain race, obviously that's bad. So is there some middle ground there where we can agree and say, you know what? We are all for helping people that are on the outside, but this isn't working. And you say, you say out of your mouth, this isn't supposed to make white people feel bad. But then of the other side of your mouth, you get mad when they're feeling that way and they're, you're calling them fragile. So like, what's, which one is true? Like, are you making people feel bad? Are they supposed to feel bad? Well, if they're not supposed to feel bad, maybe you need to change the way you're talking about this, right? Like
0: it's sadistic. I, yeah. I, I honestly think that there is like sadomasochism going on here. When, because when you say things to people that you would not want to hear yourself, you know, we, we go into our, we go into schools and we, there are people teaching diversity, equity, and code equity, equity and inclusion people, coaches, teaching about macro- microaggressions. If you compliment somebody's hair, that's um, microaggression, right? Um First off, what is really helping because to lower the standards to say that black and brown people or even black and brown teachers can't pass tests is extremely racist. That gives no credit to the doctors, the lawyers, the high end professionals who are black. So that's an extremely racist viewpoint to have. If yeah, we look at people as individuals. It, it, I, I, I'm sorry, this is like my This is my thing. But if we look at people as individuals, okay, I came into school as a kindergartner, even with the crazy life I had. Reading at a fifth grade level, I read Little Women when they gave me the book. You know, Beth throws the ball or whatever. Um, to assume that. That minorities are less, that is not helping anyone. And the whole thing is, is that if you know your history, you know where this comes from, you know where the oppressed oppressor narrative comes from, and it comes from Mao, it comes from Mao, and it comes from Stalin. And instead of race, it's class, we're just being used. Are there issues that need to be fixed? Absolutely, you want to know what systemic racism is? Systemic racism is when a teacher tells Shaniqua, you know, when she asks the whole class, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then Shaniqua says, I want to be a doctor. And she goes, ooh, that might be hard for you. That is culturally responsive teaching. And that's racist. That's systemic racist. When, when our kids hear this over and over again, so that our diversity, equity, and inclusion coaches in Utah are making over $150,000 a year, but still crying that they're victims Meanwhile, my friend who is a single mom with three kids who is black wants her kids to go to those better schools. Yeah. You know, but, but, but the diversity, equity, inclusion person wants those kids to be immersed in their blackness. Why? Yeah. Um. So it's not empathy. It's, it, it, it's not empathy. Empathy is to look at the kid in the room and to say, This kid needs this help. Not mm-hmm. this kid needs help solely because, oh, their skin, they've got the, that much melanin in their skin. And this kid, because you might be looking at that kid and that kid's the child of two doctors. And to not be able to see excellence in minorities, to not be able to envision excellence for minorities or that they can rise to the top, that's racist. What's right passionate I yeah I, f- I feel
1: like it might be an unintended consequence of people that want to be extra compassionate but I do think there's that backfire effect happening and, and I think
0: Utah has a big problem with it because of the history of the church because they yeah, kind of of- they
1: feel bad they feel guilty yep. yeah that's probably true so there was obviously that um one graphic that came out I think it was I know from him. The Smithsonian something I can't remember, mm-hmm. um, and it you know being on time that's whiteness. It's like what the uh, like, <laughs> so so yeah. there obviously there's like there's some tell that to the Nigerians. Well, there's definitely some room for improvement, but I guess I it's not that conservatives don't care about no the minorities, it's just like, there's a different value structure of how you do that. And what this is, is not helping is from not a lot of people caring
0: sense. for someone. I'm sorry, but it, it is not caring for someone to cripple them with entitlements. The best way is always to give a person the skills they need to succeed. Does, do you skills. think our
1: society does that very well though? Like, aren't there a lot of
0: cracks that people fall here's, through? Here's the thing. There are so many opportunities that go unused because mm. in systemic racism, black people are taught in schools that to be academic is whiteness. There's a major Waterford. Waterford School has are they taught that all... in school? Like well, they're taught it on the their their playground, their communities, they're shamed mm. for being smart.
1: I don't have very much experience like I I have been in a white bubble my whole life.
0: So I don't, I don't know, but. I was told all the time by people, you know, um, like I was made fun of for, for liking Shakespeare. Hmm. So even though that's what got me into, into a fine arts college or performing arts college, but I was made fun of all of the time for liking Shakespeare. Hmm. Um, And So many people are mocked ruthlessly, especially, especially minority conservatives, mocked ruthlessly by both people of their own color and white progressives. Hmm. I was asked the other day, not the other day, a couple months ago now, um, who picked me and called a house. Sorry if that word needs to be edited, but I, I literally I was called that. Um, because it was during that whole volleyball fiasco thing when I said, mm. maybe wait, maybe well, wait and watch any video first.
1: That actually makes me wonder, like, do you ever feel like you're used as a
0: token on the conservative side? Yeah, both sides. I yeah. mean, yeah, but not, the thing is, is that those are, that's where my values lie. So I my... truly
1: feel that way, mm-hmm. but that it there's definitely
0: things yeah th- there there are definitely things that I'm like I don't want to show up because I know I know the only reason I'm coming is for this reason mm-hmm. and then there are re- there are things that that I go to like when I speak out against porn in our schools you know that um are I know I have a valid point point. and I do uh, the thing is is that I have I have all the lived experience to be the like prime I would probably be the governor's prime favorite token Mm -hmm. if I was, if I fell into his ideology, but Mm -hmm. I don't. Because I believe that, like, here's an example. These, these classes that I'm teaching these kids, the ones about covert Michigan, right? I'm talking to the kids. And the first thing I say to them is what is history? History does that. So if something happened in the past before you were born, do you have anything to do with that? Is that yours to own? Hmm. And then we can have a conversation and we can talk about how awful it is that there were water fountains that were nice and clean and sparkly and other ones that look like toilets or right. that racism is like a booger. I mean, we can have these conversations without them on either side. But we need to certainly learn from Absolutely. history, but that doesn't mean we have to feel guilt from Absolutely. something that we were involved Absolutely. in. It's right. right. That doesn't make to sense understand. to me either. And you have to understand where a lot of these people are coming from. Like one, their compassion, be kind or else is not kindness. It is not kind to say that we're the only way that you can be kind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Doing it exactly like I do is the only way that's authoritarianism and that's not kind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and that comes from both sides, but then you have to understand that Ibrahim X. kindy. Goes as far as to say the only way to get rid of urge to eradicate past racism is with future racism and totally is fine with people being treated horribly if they're white yeah you know and maybe it's because i'm mixed but i don't i just i've never ever bought into skin colors anything other than like i teach kids we're a box of color crayons That's how I teach the kids. I'm like, let's take a picture. You know, here's a black and white picture. If we add this color, Ooh, that makes it interesting. What if we add this color? Oh, and this color, we're all just a box of color Mm friends. We all add a little something. That's Mm -hmm. it. There's nothing. How, how do you look
1: at, how do you wish politics were operating? Like as far as political parties Like, do you feel like one political party is correct and the other one is wrong? Or do you feel like there's value in having a a group of people that are bouncing ideas off each other and all those different ideas also mixing with each other to find
0: I think blind spots from each
1: other? Like
0: Yeah, I I think our current government today is basically a uniparty and Basically what we're looking at is globalism versus populism. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I, like I've said multiple times, I'm anti-authoritarian. So a global, a, a global agenda, like the UN's, United Nations global agenda for 2030 means that every country in the world is supposed to share the same values. I can't think of anything more authoritarian than that. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with the fact that people become so wealthy when they go to be servants. Like you and I have both have this, have a similar thing where making money on, on doing this kind of work seems like it would be, it would be out of line with our missions or our goals. Well, it
1: seems like it would change your motives if it mattered how many people how many people's attention you had. Yeah. Like I just don't see how that's not going to change my motives if I am depending on it for my income.
0: Yeah. And you watch people, you watch like really good people um, buckle. And I don't, I don't want to buckle. I mean, my whole podcast is called Be Not Afraid. And I Mm -hmm. lift dissident voices. I don't want to buckle because of, of that kind of pressure. I think I have a teacher that says the government who created the problem should not be expected to fix it. And that's that's pretty much how I feel. I feel like we should have small government and people should be taught to be contributing members of society. I think a lot of the issues that we deal with today is because we have a bored culture, Hmm. a culture with has not went through enough to make them like the worst thing that this culture the society that we've been in today is is covid that's the worst thing they've been through Mm -hmm. and that was not a matter where you had to go out and you know work to survive in fact it was the opposite stay inside and watch netflix and have things given to you to the point that you become that that's what you want the whole pride cycle
1: in the Book of Mormon, I feel like there's, like, some truth in that. Like, just in the idea of, like, when like things are going good, you might stop paying attention to what you need to be aiming for. And then all of
0: a sudden things can get
1: yes. wacky really quick. Well, I think quick. that's
0: where we're at. I I, yeah. do, I believe we're in a, what do they call it, a fourth churning or something?
1: Maybe. So my husband, well, for our book club, uh, the Good Book Club, we're reading um, Stephen Pinker's Enlightenment Now, I think it's called. And he makes the case that things aren't as terrible as everybody says they are. It's like we're living in the best time that there is. Um, and and so I've, I've wrestled with this idea because I get the sense like, oh, man, things are going crazy, right? And But then I – things aren't really that bad. <laughs> like I'm not sure what I'm complaining about. Like things are really good. So um, it just kind of depends on your – perception and maybe we're designed to be looking at the negative and maybe that's not really
0: reality. I, I, I don't know. What I find concerning is when people say that we will be a useless class and, um, and those same people are pushing the education, the transformative SEL in our schools. That's where I get concerned when it's yeah. like, look, your, your ideas are weird and wacky. And you can have your weird and wacky ideas, but when you're pushing it on our kids and also saying that those who are religious will be problematic to their goals. That's when I go, mm, it's pretty bad, but this was another thing that I went to my pastor and like totally freaked out. What if they close down the churches? What if we can't go to church? And he said, you know, if they close down the churches, like in every country that communism has taken over, churches have grown they have thrived hmm. because people thrive people look for god under persecution yeah so i and i think we're you know i mean come on the president's wife just gave awards that gave an award at a devil <laughs> devil themed grammy award or whatever it was so no, it's just like a hot news i haven't i don't yeah last last monday they literally like dressed as the devil and had people walking around on stage in like devil clothes and Joe biden came out and gave an award and it was just like that was presidential (laughs) so way to be neutral but um i i wish we were more balanced and i wish we had a smaller government and i wish that those i wish that there was a requirement that um I just, I find it interesting that so many young people are taught to hate our country and they are being taught that. Hmm. So, which I just think is, my, my own son came home in fifth grade and said, mommy, Americans not, there's nothing special about America. Hmm. And it was right before his Veterans Day assembly. And his teacher had told him that there's nothing exceptional about our country. And I am just oh. like plus the people who risk everything to get here, man right <laughs>
1: I, I do understand why people have a problem with looking at America with rose colored glasses, right like you yeah, don't have, of course, like there's a again there's like a balance there but it's weird to me that I think the values that America aims for. I don't have a problem with putting those on a pedestal. We're well, a young country. But then then that starts sound sounding that starts sounding like someone that's defending uh, the prophet too. Like, well, uh, you yeah. know, like he's not perfect, but that's okay because I'm still going to like, you know, like Anyways, I mean, you know I, what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is that that we're a young country and You have to understand where the roots of things are going from. And so many people don't. So many people hear the nice buzzwords and go, oh, I want to be kind. And they don't realize, you know, that like Paulo Freire, pedagogy of the oppressed. And when they hear, um, you know, critical race theory, they're like, oh, we're just looking critically at racial issues. No, you're being taught to look through things through a lens of misery. To find out why all, what all the problems are with it. And to never, ever have a sense of grace. Um, they just did a cartoon, The Proud Family, on Disney. And in it, they break down and they do... Um, uh, they start talking about reparations. And they're like... The, constantly with a drum beating slaves slaves we've never been given anything america's never done anything for us and i sit there going this show's for children it's on disney plus and and it's it's for little kids and i'm like you're teaching these kids to be activists and you're not even thinking them she's not questioning the fact that dad is an entrepreneur mom is a veterinarian she wants for nothing in her little cartoon life um but She is constantly raging because that's what she's been taught to do. She has no questions. She even at one point they say, We're against the global, whatever else thing. And I'm sitting there going, And you're working for Disney. This is produced by Disney. So our kids are not being taught to think. And that's bad enough. But in terms of not being taught to think, They're also going to take religion from the kids. Social and emotional learning teaches them to have, it's not as bad as an adult to be able to think critically and to look around at other things. But when your family teaches you that these are your values within your home, these are your values. I don't believe a school has the right to deconstruct those.
1: So what are the differences between Latter-day Saint beliefs and Christian beliefs? Like, what would you say are like the top things that are different in the way that you practice your religion
0: now? Sure. Well, I think the main thing is, is that I, I wouldn't call what I do a religion. So that's the first thing, right? Religion has a lot of rules, all of the rules for the temple. You, you have to be worthy to go to the temple. You have to do all of these things right? Um, I don't have anything like that. So there's one thing. Two, I do not believe that we are all children of God. So I believe that that's a choice that you make. You make a choice to be adopted into his family. I do not believe that we're literally the children of God. Um, so, but you can be adopted into his family and he wants you to be adopted into his family. And, um, and How do you I, be
1: adopted that this is a new idea. I don't
0: think I've ever, oh, heard. Sure. so it's just, it is, it is as simple as realizing that he is the savior of the world. And the only reason that we don't get what we deserve. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So when you realize that Christ did die, he did do the ultimate sacrifice. And without that, there's literally nothing that you could do to be, um, to be saved. You cannot save yourself. And there's no, like, I, um, there's no, we are saved after all that we can do. There's no, all that we can do. So, um, so it's like so that, mean, that, it's, it's,
1: that Grace and works rift. Like you definitely feel that between, as far as the difference between. You do.
0: You do. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't go about the work. I try to live my life every day as a missionary. Um, but it's, there's not, I'm I, I'm not accountable to somebody here for that. You know, I just basically wake up in the morning and I think, God use me, whatever way you're going to today. You know, but there's no there's no accountability. Nobody's calling me. No, I don't have, um, I don't have visiting teachers, or I can't remember what they're called now. They've changed the name, but ministering, um, uh, min- ministering something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I so um so I don't have anything like that. Obviously, there is no temple. Um, I was reading a scripture today that. Was like, wow, that's pretty, pretty damning. That God does not live in houses made by man. So, um, is is
1: your well? There's still like temples in the Old Testament, though, right? Like they still had temples and worship like that. So, yeah, is that, why is why is that a problem for Latter-day Saints to say, "Hey, we're doing a"? Saint? Oh, I
0: don't. Okay, so that's that's the place where I guess across I I, I, I I wouldn't call it a problem. Like okay. I was, I, I respect it just like I, I respect Hindu or anything else. So it's, it's not a problem. It's just not my choice. That's just how you're seeing it. Yeah. It's it, okay. it, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just um, yeah. It's just not my, my choice. And then the other thing is, is that um, when Jesus came and he died, he changed the rules for sacrifice He changed Mm -hmm. the rules for for ordinances and for temples. He became it. He became all that was required. So, things that were pertinent in the Old Testament aren't
1: necessarily. That's that's a huge difference in belief then, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, but
1: what about like the Twelve Apostles? Why was he like setting them aside, the Twelve Apostles from, like, you don't think there needs to be that kind of structure still? Because that that's like one of the restorations views, right? No.
0: Yeah. I, but I would say, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I think that the more, not just men, cause I don't want to sound sexist, but I think the more people that get involved between your relationship with you and God, the more it has a chance of being convoluted. Hmm. So, but that's not necessarily a, I don't, I can't say that that's what my church would say. That's just my own relationship with God Tells me that that would be too, that would be too much. I enjoy, I appreciate having a shepherd, i.e., mm-hmm. a pastor. Uh-huh. You know, somebody whose full time job it is to um to give me Offer. scripturally based to give me scripturally based facts as opposed to you know For sometimes in, some way. So sometimes, well, sometimes in sacrament you'll get people who really put the work in, and then other times you'll get people, and you're like, what? What did you? What was okay. <laughs> so, um, so I think that that's, that's a different, that's, that's a different experience. But
1: how do you, how do you make sure like this, you describe your relationship with God as your guiding source? How do you have the confidence that there's not some level of self-deception when you're saying, I think this is coming from God? How do you differentiate that between like Maybe this is something I want, and like I'm convincing myself this is what I want, really,
0: or or even Satan, like the like, like, like right? Like, like okay, say I'm debating between a chili dog or pizza tonight, right? Yeah, God's not going to give me an answer to something like that. Okay, like that's that's just he. I, I don't think that that's something that's super important to to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but say it's. do I bring this up at the school board? Do I start this parental group? Do I do whatever else? Then there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of humility. Like first, first my general thing is to like reason out and I'm still a person who, who will write in a notebook, you know, the pros and cons of whatever else. Uh And then you just like, you wait on the spirit, but then really the big one for me is if I really don't know something, then I look at, I look through my scriptures and it feels like the answer is always there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the answer is a very strong yes. And sometimes the answer is a very strong no. Yeah. So. It's
1: interesting. I, I still, like, that's one of my things when I was questioning a lot. Is I had a hard time feeling confident that what I wanted wasn't being interpreted as guidance right. from god right and I so think, i just I, I was just curious if you but if you looked
0: at your scriptures if you wanted something in your scriptures very clearly said yeah what you want is not i mean if it was something that big you know like like just an example um you reached out to me after my interview with with ryan woods
1: mm-hmm.
0: um And you were like, how do you, how do you reconcile, you know, hanging out with him or supporting him with being a Christian because Uh he's a gay man and a drag queen. Uh Right. And so that became an issue of, um, you know, I know what the Bible says, but but the Bible says two things. And one of them is to let God sort it out. And the other thing is, is to love. So, and I'm not trying to say this. I'm not, I'm not a progressive who's like, let's um, queer children. Cause I'm not, I'm, I, I don't fall in that line at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ryan is a man who is not sexually active. He has sexual desires and he is not sexually active because he doesn't have a desire to be promiscuous And Mm -hmm. he wrestles, that's his thorn in his flesh. And he does so much good, good things. I mean, he's a a very good human being. And I know one thing, that I'm not supposed to hate anyone. Mm -hmm. So I may hate ideas. I may hate and despise ideology. And it is the bane of my existence. Yeah. Progressivism is the bane of my existence. But I don't hate the people, you know? You mm-hmm. you have to treat people with love. For one thing, this was another scripture that was there today. It was talking about how in, in Corinth there were prostitutes and there were men who slept with men and there was blah, 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 all this stuff. And it was still the same, you know, the wages of sin, any sin is death. But that's who you were. You can be made clean. And so it's like, how do I judge how people are going to turn out? I just can't. It's yeah. not my place.
1: Right. Um, I guess another question I have or I'm curious about, like we I came from a very structured organization, like church organization, where it's like everyone across the whole world is having the same lesson on the same day, right? Mm-hmm. So how is that different from the church organization that you're associated with?
0: Non-denominational.
1: Okay. So it's your so your church is a congregation of one. So it was as far as the organization it, part of it.
0: It it was a member of the Assembly of God, and they recently removed the Assembly God of God from it. I don't know why they did that. I do know that when I was looking, I almost didn't go because um, I know that Assembly of Gods have um, crossed over to liberation theology. Is that
1: uh, Assembly of God like that? So that's just like a bigger organization where. You could have different.
0: It's just a denomination, okay. So, so and, and then a so congregation. Charismatic, could help, yeah. Help
1: have resources and stuff to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, franchise, almost, right? Like, yes. I'm, I'm trying to think yeah, of this. that's a good way. That I don't know much it, about. Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I know a little bit about. So when I, when I kind of went through the rabbit hole of like this thirst for learning everything about uh mormon history i also like went down this other rabbit hole of uh christian atheist youtube stuff so i've learned a little bit about different christian denominations that way like Mm -hmm. i know what a calvinist is a calvinist would be someone very uh legalistic in their belief right like uh and then you've and then you've got um I don't know. I, I don't understand Catholics a little bit better. Presbyterian. I don't know if I know actually a lot of like when people say Protestant or evangelical, like I'm really not sure what those terms are. I would say
0: most of them. I mean.
1: Like, is are you evangelical? Is that, would that be? Yeah. You're under that umbrella. And what is, yeah. What, what is that?
0: Um Mission minded, like missionary minded. Sharing okay. your faith. Yeah.
1: Versus. Protestant is just
0: well, No is just they left the Catholic, they they broke up from the Catholic Church. So you're still so under almost that everybody, as well. almost everybody's Protestant, yes. Okay. But the issue the bigger issue is that so many of the churches have embraced liberation theology, which basically makes them null and void as Christian anyways. Hmm. So <laughs> that's just Well see that that see when I hear you say that
1: it's not that I don't I still have a problem with those ideas and I do if I'm being honest like I'm skeptical of them but at the same time I I hear that and I just wonder like liberation politics become our God like that's where we're
0: getting our truth from you know no their politics have become their God and that's the point Hmm. liberation theology makes Christ's sacrifice second or less than social justice Hmm. So bringing the politics into the church, it was never like even even when the Sadducees, Pharisees or Sadducees—I don't know which ones—but somebody came up to Jesus and said, "Hey, tell us about this law and how how are you going to do this?" And he said, "That's not my father's work." Hmm. He was very clear. You know, he was about helping the poor and the sick and and everyone else. But that was not his main purpose for being here. His Mm -hmm. main purpose for being here was to be a sacrificial lamb. So to turn it into social justice, and this all comes from, um, a red priest. So when Russia, Stalin, they brought over and he actually came to Utah. So, um, they, they first realized that the first group that would be the most malleable to change from being focused on a Christian, Jesus Christ based thing would be to set, set the rage into the black church. So the black church became a place for, and this is, um, this is from Manning Johnson's book, Color Communism and Common Sense. He was one of the first people, um, but he, the I can't remember what the red priest's name was. But he was a communist, and his job was to in was to put communism, the, or the communist ideals into the church. So what they did with what Stalin did was he. Um, First, they persecuted, massively persecuted the Orthodox Christians. And then when they let them out, after taking their children and all sorts of horrible things, when they let them out, they they infiltrated the church. And they changed it from being what it was originally supposed to be about. So, no. If I were to say, I know that God appointed Donald Trump and Donald Trump is supposed to save us all from everything, and he's going to be reinstated and glory be to God, then I would be part of the cult. There's places where politics definitely play a part. You know, Um, the Bible says, I knew you, I knew you in your womb, or before you were even thought of, right? So there are things like abortion that I think Christians have to take a stance on, but it's harder now because of the of the things that the left is taking on um and practically just insulting christianity just like the grammys the other day um it's harder to say that you know one side is more christian than the other um but if you line up with the bible yeah well i have a,
1: two thoughts yes. um i hear a lot from a lot of more um, progressive Christians, where they they interpret the Bible and they they see their ideas highlighted. You know, they see Jesus, um, you know, ministering to the marginalized, right? They see Christ, like, and so I, I did. I guess, and I don't really feel like you have to do a huge leap to see that. And I'm I'm not even saying that that makes it legitimate because I think also Christ that that in in my view it seems imbalanced to only look at the Bible and pick out the things that support your ideas. Yes,
0: right? but, but how about this though? Don't you think that if Christ was all about social justice, that he could have been God, could have just said, yo, this sucks, snapped his fingers and fixed it all if that's what he came here to do.
1: Well whatever whatever argument any a conservative christian has uh would also work for whatever a progressive christian has and that's because that's what atheists say all the time it's like well if you have a god then why does he let suffering happen at all right so
0: that's, that we can learn and grow from it well I mean, that,
1: that's that's what a, that's what a, I, I feel like that's what a like he where where i mean i mean here's just off the top of my head and uh yeah a, if i was a progressive christian i could say something like well, we are supposed to be tools in his hands. Like we're supposed to be the ones doing. I don't, I don't
0: disagree. I don't disagree with that. I where I disagree is when God becomes smaller than social justice or when we pick and choose, which is what I see a lot of. I don't see any progressives who follow completely what the Bible says.
1: Well, and, and I think the the wisdom that I find in the Bible, like loving your enemies, I feel like there aren't very many people who are super political that can genuinely love people that disagree with them politically. Like they really, and it's not, I I, I can, I can, I can agree with that for the most part. I mean, I know that that difference is almost harder. That difference is almost harder. Like here we are talking. And I think it's probably easier for us to talk than for someone who is also an atheist or, I don't know that that's what I call myself. I think that's what probably most Christians and Mormons would call me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually use that term generally for myself, but. I think you seem agnostic to me. That's, I, I use, I don't actually use that label, but in that sentence I needed to, someone who believes yeah. with my worldviews, but not yeah. political po- politics, yeah. that's that's a more, that conversation feels more tense to me than this one does. Where we disagree on worldview, but we probably agree more politically, right?
0: Yeah. Um, anyways, well, so I, I, I totally. Um, not that I, well, I, I try it's, to it's have those conversations to about, too. Christians have to be about doing that work and and being God's hands and and those things. The difference is, is that when the Bible says something, I believe it, even if mm-hmm. even if in my you know, this is 2023 and I want to have modern views and I want to whatever else. If the Bible tells me this is what I need to do, this is how I need to live. then that's how I'm going to live, even if it's uncomfortable.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I have had to come to the point where I will say, okay, they hate me. Well, they hate me because I'm literally doing God's work. I'm literally, like I said, I wake up in the morning and I say, use me how you will. You know, and when I go to the schools and I say this is going on and this is a problem and I don't understand how you can align yourself with, you know, said calling and, and, and promote this stuff and, and knowing how much they hate me, knowing that they will slander me, knowing that there is a person who, you know, may shoot me at some point. And I'm not joking about that because they think that I believe something because somebody's told them that I do. And they think that that's what I'm about. And I'm like, well, there is a point when you say, and and, and it's in the Bible and it says, if any man comes after me, he must deny himself. Progressives do not deny themselves in my, from what I've seen there, it is always, well, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. And the scriptures are like, don't be fooled by your feelings. So it's just, it's different, but I don't hate them. You know, I, the ones that I have the hardest time not hating are the ones who think that my my child is fair game for them. Yeah, that mother bear comes out, huh? Yeah, that's that's the stuff that makes me go, okay, I really need to see what's going on with these people as, as a disease as they're sick and they're spreading their sickness as opposed to, I hate them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, and that's, and when you see somebody is sick and you're Christian, well, then you should be about healing them. So that's why I'm always willing to have conversation is not that ours is that that one but I'm always willing to talk to people and like you know try to set the record straight and try to find not necessarily a common ground but a truthful a place of truth
1: or understanding that's kind of what I feel like I've been trying to do I feel like when you understand people then you can it takes a layer off of Because you can still say, well, I, I think you're wrong, but if I right. understand what you're saying, then at least I can uh, not think you're evil or
0: right you know, a We have to person. force ourselves we're, we live in a culture that is really working hard to dehumanize us. And so we have to force ourselves to see the human. Um, is it like Ms where they sing they see see the face of God. when to love another person is to see the face of God. I, I don't know I, I can yeah I think I think it's that and and that's really it like you have to be able to see in them you know this is somebody's child and for me what I see is these especially because I believe that liberation theology started with the black within the black churches it was not their fault that they were taught to see racism around every corner you know, but that is the reality. That is the reality. It doesn't matter how successful people are; they still see racism behind every corner, and what a crippling and scary place that is. Um,
1: yeah. I'm gonna ask another. So, do you ever worry about kind of the rhetoric on the right side of things, where they're like, "Well, see, the liberal experiment didn't work." Let me give you an example. I was listening to uh, something on the Daily Wire. And they were all being outraged about uh, Dylan Mulvaney, right? And I'm trying to remember the commentator. Anyways, one of the Daily Wire commentators said something along the lines of, like, this person should be institutionalized or something like that. And I was like, what? And and they basically said that there should be laws that prevent this from happening. And that scares me just because it's like, well, if we give the government that, much power to put people that disagree with how to act in this world. And there's not, they're not hurting anyone, but you're going to put them with against their will institutionalize them.
0: Like, I'm just thinking the part that I, the part that I would differ on with hurting anyone is he and that other, other guy person um, gear their stuff towards young children. Like, Let's play with Barbies, you guys. I mean, so this is the stuff where I'm like, that is hurting somebody. But no, I don't think that. I mean, like I, that's what I said from the beginning. I'm a classical liberal. If you are, if you are a certain age, then I think that you should be able to do what what you want. I think
1: that but I just feel like there's this reactionary thing happening where they they might agree with the anti thing that you're against, right? And right. then they're also, their solution to it is more government. So right?
0: when, when that
1: scares me too, because that's exactly what I think that hmm. there are a lot of progressives that will point at the right and they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm worried about Hitler and Nazi Germany. And I think they're seeing that same authoritarian spirit, spirit, but they're not able to see it on their side. That's, right? that's Yeah. So that's part of it.
0: When, when, um, not this last State of the Union, but the the other address scene when, when Biden had the red carpets and the Marine, the red curtains. Right, it looked Marines, just right? like Lion King. Right, it was so, it was, okay, I don't even know what it was. But I just know, I watched it and I thought, Nazis were made tonight. On both I don't sides. know. On uh, both sides, though. Yes, because well, you are. De- oh, I see, I see what you're saying. When you dehumanize people. Then you teach these people on this side. Oh right, with his I, Oh, I'm not okay. I'm not okay here. Well, then let me go over here, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So sorry.
1: I'm not I here. thought you. I thought you were just talking about the way he had the setting set up, and I'm just like, no, I don't know. No, Any kind I mean, of military I mean, show of patriotism can look like that too. To some no. People, so <laughs>
0: no. First off, I don't think that people know what fascism actually is. So because if they did, then maybe they should look at at the relationship between Google, Twitter. Oh America. right, that's <laughs> right. literal fascism right so um so that's an interesting that that's that's an interesting thing but i i do worry um i'm stuck in the middle i'm a biracial person to half of society i'm not black enough to the other part of society i'm black okay mm-hmm. you get one angry person you get somebody who gets fired like they did at boeing They've mm-hmm. hired people for the pandemic and then they re them on based on them, based on their ethnicity.
1: Yeah.
0: So you have somebody who can't feed their family. Mm-hmm. I walk into a Walmart and I'm, you know, grabbing something, grabbing my groceries. They don't know unless I do feel this way. I feel like I need to wear t-shirts every day that say not one of them or God bless America every single day and look like, you know, whatever. Because if I don't, and one of those crazy people on the right, which honestly, I've seen very few in my life, but I have seen some, Mm -hmm. you know, they're pissed off and I'm the one who gets shot. I'm the Mm -hmm. one who gets taken out. Then you've got the people on the left who say, oh, she wants to pull black history out of our schools. And somebody like the guy who shot the guy um, in Provo at the BLM rally, you know, either Uh way. Clarify. Think- do you you
1: want to take? Is that true? You want to take Black History? Oh, no. right. I okay. Just remember, clarify. I'm like I don't. I'm, I just don't want people to think that that's what you're saying. No,
0: I'm saying <laughs> that I'm. What I'm saying is that's how they view that's, it. That's, that's what that's I was not. T- that's what somebody said about me. That's right. what a. Oh, I get it. I got it. Those, right. And I'm like, you you can't start spreading that stuff because all they have to do is watch the video, and if they're if they're not thinking because they are not taught to think critically. And they mis- just mis- mis-
1: mischaracterization of um yes. i think we do that a lot though like i don't think that is just i don't think that's just like a problem on the left side of the political aisle In fact, no. like we were talking about like, like there's some stuff on the conservative side that worries me and it, it seems like you're not liking some of it either yeah. but um I, I see a lot of fractioning like like it's just keep on like nobody it's weird that we see right left even because when you there's no two people that believe the same and it's just, it almost seems to be getting more and more fractured. It's kind of Absolutely.
0: But that's part of it. That's part of, that's part of taking us down, right? Because um, divided we fall. Yeah. And that's where we're headed. Losing the thing that we have in common.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Well, anyways, um, we've been talking forever. So (laughs) I will um, let you just kind of finish off with what your, Uh, talk about your podcast and then I can put a link to that if people are interested and
0: yeah sure, okay yeah so my podcast is um be not afraid and I interview dissident voices a lot of people who've come from China um tomorrow I'm going to interview an older woman who uh came of age was 16 when Mao came into power And she was a middle-class family. They took everything from her, including raping her and um, just really hard things. But these people who have courage and who've overcome, that's kind of always been my thing. I used to interview. I have another podcast um, where I interview people who've aged out of foster care, who are trying to make the best out of their lives. I just like to listen to people. And um, what I say is make beauty from the ashes. So... That's what I tried to do.
1: Cool. Well, thank you. And um, I'm gonna have to apologize to people that were hoping for more Christian stuff because I feel like we kind of went off on a tangent. It's really hard to not not talk about politics. I I think um, like it's interesting. Uh, one thing about being in the ex Mormon space is when we're listening to like Mormon stories or um, even even other podcasts on. Um, on the Mormon discussions group, and not, not everybody feels this way, obviously, but it's just you're you hear over and over about the patriarchy and about all of the all of yeah. the the buzzwords of you know just left leaning politics and well, it's like just
0: progressivism, like,
1: well, right? <laughs> yeah, and so it's really and so then. And so and then they'll say well we're not being political this isn't politics we're just you know and but we feel it like we feel it's like political so i i just i guess i understand this is political we but did that's have part a great of the plan, plan. Well, but i'm just gonna i'm just willing to yeah, yeah obviously we were blatantly yeah. talking about politics yes I, <laughs> I apologize if anybody disagrees with me politically and made it this far um i just it is it is uh it's hard for me to not see the parallels and My biggest thing lately that I've been thinking about is that politics seem to be being more important to people than even their uh, other foundational beliefs, which is probably not healthy for our society. Because at least like back in the 90s, people could go, I disagree with you politically, but we both believe in God, right? We still have that thing in common. I'm not sure what people have in common anymore. Like it's it's, um, not... Not a good thing. <laughs> so,
0: anyways, well, the thing about progressivism, and, and I know we're we're wrapping up, but the thing about progressivism is that your religion is the state. Your religion is your politics. Hmm. So there there is no God in progress. Once progressivism reaches its ultimate goal, hmm. which is communism, yeah. so it right.
1: is, <laughs> <laughs> or, or just if if you're true, is it he- Hegel? hegelian
0: yes, a uh-huh.
1: you wouldn't even accept a communistic state you would always have like perpetual revolution like you would never right. you would always have have that going on yeah but the people that's at the way the top that i understand it that.
0: yes you you are right in the in, in the theory but the people at the top don't want that they want us fighting until we're manageable and then the boot comes down well sure of course
1: no. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it's happened every time in the past like well, that's a yeah. tangent. Well, yeah. anyway, thank you for your time and um, hopefully people found this interesting. So yeah,
0: all right. <laughs> Bye, Marty. All right, Thanks. see ya.